1: Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. Today, Pastor Jesse Gastan takes us back to Judges once again. We've been looking at Deborah this week, the exceptional ruler. As we begin our time together today, we're reminded of what it takes to make a real congregation. What's involved? Deborah answers this a little bit, and we'll also spend time in 1 Timothy chapter 2 as well. It's all straight ahead. From Grace Bible Church in Hayward, here's Pastor Jessica Stan.
2: What it means to be a local congregation, how deep your roots have to go, because you're talking about being a kingdom inside of another kingdom. And how are you going to stand if your roots don't go deep enough for God to be your refuge and your rock, your strong tower and hiding place? Here it is. The enemy knocked out 50%. Of the people in America and the 50% that came back only gave at a level of 50%. Do you know what that means? Churches are closing everywhere as we speak now because they can't afford it. Because when we shut down this pseudo pandemic, we destroy jobs. And when you destroy jobs, you destroy families capacity to give. And when you destroy giving, you destroy local church communities. Did you hear what I just stated? He came down. And what God is doing this time is making a round in to set up his servants to make sure that this next one does not totally wipe Israel out. So you might say, Pastor, what happened to the 20% that didn't shut down? You should know because we were part of the 20%. You should know because we were part of the 20% that did not buy the lie. We tried to conform to the rules until we understood that the rules were uh, unscientific and that they were um, corrosive of our constitutional rights. And we had to simply stand on the uh, Warrington Declaration and declare that God is sovereign and our freedom merits our right to gather together and assemble. And we have enough common sense to determine when we're sick or not and know how to go home and stay away. Right. In other words, we have a God who has given us a sound mind so that we can act in a self-determining way predicated upon the word of the living God. And this happened in California with about 10 churches. They didn't shut down and God blessed them more like he did us than even before. Because when you walk in obedience, God blesses. But it's not going to be on CNN News. It's not going to be on Fox News because we're fighting a spiritual battle. So 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 under point number two, her sensitivity, sensitivity to God's will. She was calling a brother to have absolute massive victory. And he comes in with a condition. And so what does God do? He simply facilitates that man's uh, accommodating weakness, not for his sake, but because he actually wants to demonstrate that he can accomplish his redemptive purposes through weakness. Do you understand that? Now we're going to get to this sister next week. Deborah means the word of Jehovah. Jael means that Jehovah is God. And the two bookends of those two sisters are going to play a critical role in the decisive victory of taking out this formidable enemy. Are y'all hearing me? Now, there's something really interesting here. I'll take you, take you through a few more minutes of this. Go to point number three. I want to unpack this. Point number three. You, in your own time, you can read the uh, references in that outline. You guys know they go deep. I'm showing you all kinds of things there. But for time's sake, we want to be uh, expeditious. Point number three in our outline. The glory of the gospel through weakness is hinted. Look at verse nine. We just looked at it. And she said, surely I will go up with you guys see that. I would say that in a different way because she was not speaking confidently or assertively or in some kind of uh, grandiose way. She would have been utterly disappointed. Do you guys hear me? Here you are at a point woman for God. And all you're doing is delivering the mail. And this fool is going to tell you that he won't open the mail until you stand there with him. And it's going to put you in the middle of a compromise between him and God and get you in trouble with God. I would say, no, Barak, no, because I can see the thunderbolts coming down. If it was me, you'd be dead. I'd get another brother. I'd just get another brother. But God... He accommodates our weaknesses. He just, he does not approve of them. He does not smile on them. He simply accommodates them. Do not get it twisted. He delights in mercy because he sees an outcome greater than your stupid momentary limited rebellion. Does that make some sense? See, because God operates out of an organizing principle too. And in his organizing principle, can I say this? In God's organizing principle, he he anticipates our rebellion, our foolishness, our sinfulness, right? Where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. That God might get the glory for his grace over his glory through our obedience, And it's so important for you and I to know that God's going to make a way. Remember Esther, same thing. Esther got the decree, girl, it's on you. And remember what her her uncle said? If you don't do it, God will raise up somebody else to do it. This is your time. God always always has a ram in the thicket. Do you know that? If you don't want to go for God, he'll raise up stones. His his plans are never going to be frustrated never going to be thwarted by you and me. She said, sure, I'll go with you. Any notwithstanding, the journey that you take shall not be for your honor. It could have been, do you hear me? It could have been, but because God knows the heart and he understands all the counsels of the heart, he made an end run around Barrack too. Amen. All right, I'm almost there. We're almost there. Here, let me, let me see if I can tie these pieces together while I have you. Look at God, look at God, how he cares for his people when they are in the midst of these kind of predicaments and they have absolutely no idea, no clue what the enemy is about to do. Look at God, how he raises up a woman who can actually mediate to Israel in a way in which she will be the one to reach out to a man that's not prepared. Look at God and he's going to have to deal. God is going to have to deal with all of our objections And then all of a sudden solve that problem in terms of meeting his accommodation. God already knows the end from the beginning, doesn't he? Look at God. Isn't God a merciful God? Is he long suffering and plenteous in goodness to us? This man is going to lose the benefit because of an act of faith deficiency. That was an act of faith deficiency. Another way to put it, unbelief. But because he's a believer, he is a believer. Barak is a child of God. He has faith in God. Do you believe that? Hebrews chapter 11, 32, pull it up. Barak is in the hall of the faithful. Did you know that? The boy, the boy made the team coach. He made the team coach. But you know what we put in him? He going way on the back end of the bench. He's not gonna be a starter for us until our situation is so dire. All right, Barack, you can come in. <laughs> and what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David and of Samuel. Seven, seven, seven. And six of them have major flaws in their life. The only one that doesn't is Samuel. Do you guys understand that? So you see what God is working with? He's working with you and me. He's working with you. Yeah, you know, his mama named him Barak. Did you know that? Do y'all know anybody named Barak? <laughs> his mama named, y'all got a few more minutes. I'm almost done. His mama named him Barack. Barack is a common Middle Eastern name. And it means light, light. It means light. It means flashing. <laughs> this particular event is going to show us a prophecy specifically laid out in the Psalms concerning the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints to subdue his enemies. And we're going to hear it in the book of Jude one more time. The coming of Jesus with ten thousands of his saints. This is the prophecy of his first coming. That's how we got saved. And it's the prophecy of his second coming. That's how we will be rescued in our body. Barack becomes a great picture of Christ, albeit broken in his character. Does that make some sense? Right. Very important for you and I to know this. Let's, let's go back. I could share some other things here. I want you to go back now because I need to wind this down under point number three. This is what I want to say. What Deborah does in prophecy merely says, for the Lord shall sail Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. I want you to tie that other piece of prophetic data down. And the Lord shall sail Sisera into the hand of a woman. Y'all got that? Which means God knows how to use the enemy in his own lust. He knows how to take the enemy's covetousness and, and propensities and, 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 and concupances and use them to drag him into his net. God sees him from the beginning. And if God is the great chess master, and he is. He is frequently 10 moves ahead of all of us. Am I making some sense? Like way out in front, taking a nap waiting until you and I catch up. There's no way to win against God. No way to win against God. Okay, so look at verse 10 and 11. I'm going to give you a parent, uh, um, sort of an interluding statement that affirms this. And I'm going to close out here. I'll come back and unpack the battle that Barak um, experiences a victory in, but a defeat as well. I'll touch on that here now. Here it is. And Barak called Zebulon and Naphtali to Kadesh. That's way up in the north. I showed you that. Kadesh is going to be uh, a little bit down the hill from, um, from Naphtali and, um, and, and, uh, and Zebulun, and they're going to go up to a mountain called the mountain of Tabor to position themselves. That's what the text is going to say. And he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him, verse 11, now, Heber, the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent unto the plain of Zaanim, which is by Kadesh. Look at what happens. All right. So we, we, we really want to understand the narrative. Do you, do, do you? You want to understand the narrative. So Moses had a father-in-law and they were the Kenites and they were in cooperation with Israel all the way into the promised land. Y'all there? Right, we know this going back with Caleb and and Ophniel as well. Where the Kenites come in because they were warriors with the Judite tribe and with the Benjamite tribe. Here they are now many, many decades in. Because we've seen 20 years, we've seen 18 years, we've seen 80 years. They're in the land for a while. Guess what happens with the Kenites? They start removing themselves from allegiance with the children of God. And that's because... They see these wars going on between the people of God and the people of the land. And what they see is that most of the time, the people of God collapse under their authority. What the Kenites are watching is how frequently we give in and we defect and we submit to and we compromise. And they said, you know what? We're herdsmen. All we do is herd sheep. We're going to move ourselves away from the line of conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles. Y'all got that? They're going to move themselves over into what is called the plains. If we were on the map, we could show that. Just want to show you something. And one of the brothers, his name is Heber, separates himself from the Kenite brethren. Y'all got that? Since now everybody's separating. This here is what we call. The thinking of oppositional, the practice of oppositional thinking. It's a deconstruction process. It's almost contagious. If you get a handful of people to separate, then a handful of other people will separate too. Separation happens. You guys understand that? When you practice separation, you're going to lead other people to separate because it's a deficient faith, if not a total absence of faith in the first place. This is why Jesus said you learned it on Friday. If you are not gathering with me, you are scattering. So here's what's going on. These blessed brothers who saw the Lord obtain so many victories with the Judites and the Benjamites are now equivocating on the Lord's promise of having dominion over the land because the very children of Israel are prone more to idolatry Then they are devotion to the one true and living God. That would make any group of people who would be like stepchildren be inclined to want to back away, wouldn't you? Particularly when you see for 20 years, mighty oppression, 20 years stripping Israel of its weapons, 20 years stripping them of their goods and resources. That's what y'all going to see in the sixth chapter. The Midianites plundering the land and there's very little grain. Remember what Gideon is doing? Hiding in a cave. We're talking about hyperinflation. Okay, so it's important for you to capture this. I probably would have collapsed. Said, you know what? I just don't want to have nothing to do with politics. Have you you ever heard that? You got the left over here and the right over here and they're all compromising and killing each other. I think I'll just stay over here and just play in my land where there was a brother who was in that convenient position of halting between two positions, who decided that he would capitalize on it. His name is Heber. Watch what the text says in verse 12. Now go back to verse 11. I need to make sure that got lifted up. Now Heber, the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses had severed himself from the Kenites. So that's a second severance. You guys see that? had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent unto the plain over by Kadesh. So he's in between his own people, distant enough from the children of Israel and the battle with the Gentiles, so he can play both sides against the middle. Y'all with me? Look at verse 17. Now, I love this. Verse 17. How be it Sisera fled away on feet. This is where Barak was winning the battle, destroying all of the army of Sisera. But Sisera himself jumped off his donkey and fled. Y'all got that? He said, This war is over. I didn't lost this thing. I'm just trying to escape with my life. Well, he would have had nowhere to go. If there was not a compromising man who was among the people of God who separated himself from the people of God and set himself up as a kind of money changer between himself and the Gentiles. Are you hearing me? Look at the text. He fled away on his feet to the tent of who? Jael, the wife of who? How convenient. And here's what we call the X explanation X. Ex- explanation Uh, um, exposition of the text. Here it is. For there was what? Peace between Jobin, the king of Azar, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. Do y'all see it? Peace with God's enemies because his family had separated himself because they were under the horizontal dilemma of seeing Israel depleted, Israel Uh, controlled and subjugated Israel, compromising. See, this is a real problem for all of us. We will look in the flesh and we will see the people of God in such utter disarray. And then we'll put our own decree on it. They're cursed, they're damned. And I'm separating myself from them. Am I making some sense? I'm separating myself from the people of God because they're so weak and so fickle and so given to compromise and so given to evil and so inclined to just fall off. Yeah, but what about you? What, you're different? Are you better? Are you better than any of the people of God that you should separate yourself from them? And the answer is no. Separation from the people of God is not the key. Integration is the key. Integration is the key. It's integrating deeply into your organizing principle and realizing that frequently God is weakening his people to get them to call on him. Frequently God is bringing trouble in the life of his people to get them to fall on their knees. What they don't need you to do is forsake them too. This is how you can tell who your friends are. Soon as somebody going through some trouble, here you go up, leave it alone. See, there is always a Judas Iscariot in the bunch. There's always a Shimei in the bunch. See, when David was going down, there go Shimei. He swore David was done. He He had no idea that God was bringing him to the throne of David by the conflict he had with Saul. Does that make some sense? everybody's interpretation is subject to either a prism of gospel truth or their own presumptive narrative. And so Heber thought he'd make a bunch of money with the people that's running the show. Y'all see that? Now, all of a sudden, he has to be the one that let this fool into his house. But you know what we said a little bit earlier about godly women? Did we say something about godly women? Did we touch on godly women? Can I close on another godly woman in our text? She had a husband who was a compromiser. But her name is Jael. Her mama named her Jehovah is God. And apparently she believed that, Brother Matt. She believed that there was no God but the one true and living God. And as much as she loved her husband and didn't leave him, she knew he was a money-grubbing fool. She knew that he was given over to materialism more than he was the glory of God. She knew that he had abandoned the mercy of God to take the whole Kenite family and bring them into the promised land from being no, uh, no She knew he had lost his mind, but just because he lost his mind don't mean she need to lose her mind. That fool can lose his mind, but I'm not losing my mind. The mind of the believer must be the mind of Christ. If everybody else lose their mind, don't you lose your mind. If everybody else loses their mind. All right, I'm going to close with this one because this will help. Sometimes your hubby or your wife is going to lose their mind. This is not the time for you to lose yours too. I'm into pastoral mode of teaching right now. Your kids are going to lose their mind temporarily. This is not time for mama to lose her mind. (laughs) Well, pastor, when do I get to lose my mind? (laughs) You really don't, but if you, if you have to, if you have to lose your mind, make sure your husband is in his right mind and make sure some of the kids are in their right mind so they can flake you while you're losing your mind until you recover your right mind. And then may the whole family learn that from time to time, the saints are going to lose their mind. But God has a plan. And we already see that the honor was going to be given to his wife. And that means somewhere along the whole line of their marriage, she kept it right with God. And she knew that he that cometh unto God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him.
1: Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here grace-bible.com is our website again that's grace-bible.com if you wish to give us a call the number is 510-886-9782 that's 510-886-9782 if you're writing to us our address is 22 768 main street that's two two seven six eight main street here in hayward The zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today. This program is listener supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care
2: what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say, we love
0: Jesus anyway.